Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. We are your movie show for any hour. I am Mary Catherine Ham, your host, and I'm here as always with my friend Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How is it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's going great. For some of our listeners, I might not sound great, but I'm actually feeling great. So apologies. That is my microphone. It comes off as a, <laughs> and I don't know, because I'm old. It's I, endearing. I it's endearing. I, it's endearing. I don't know how to explain this, but it's like that, you know, if you listen to certain as the kids do these days, these hip hop songs or rap songs where the vocal has that weird electronic sheen to it. Oh, yeah. You're like T-Pain. Yes. You know that thing? There's got to be a term for it. You are the T-Pain of, of podcasting. I've always podcasting. said that. I've always said that. Uh, you know what? That that That's good. I'm, I'm glad you've always said that about me. Yeah. I, great. I, I tell everyone. I Thank tell you. Everyone. So, no, I'm, I'm doing fine. And for listeners who have been asking about my teeth, drama, everything else, mysteriously better, I think that Charleston healed a lot of my wounds oh my I, gosh sinking my teeth into all those foods oysters fried oysters no i think a lot of it i'm not saying all of it because i obviously still have issues like the rogue tooth you know right like just skull. an extra yeah the ec that thing no, uh, i have to say have i mentioned before that i had an extra wisdom tooth so i i understand oh, right no I five. and, and yeah. i think i mentioned to you uh christine rosen she yeah. had the same thing when she was eight and was like buried somewhere in her skull like in her cheek Oh you know, God. and she barely remembers it. And I said, that's a good thing. You barely remember that. Your poor, your poor twins, you and Christine's yeah, poor I, that's twins. Right. Well, that's a nice twin to have. So uh, I would say some of it is stress related. And I think that is like with teeth and some people have terrible things. Like you overhear about people who get like cankers and stuff from stress. You know, I've never had that, but you know, grinding, I'm a, I'm a big tooth grinder. And that's probably something, but it's a, not exactly the most lovely way to get everyone's morning started talking about teeth. <laughs> that's but, what you know, we're here for. But know? that's what we're here for. Now, I'll tell you. So my advice to listeners is wear those. It's terrible. Wear those mouth guards. Yeah. Just wear them. If, if you're alone, if you're alone. And speaking of a low there's a little item we're going to discuss at the end of the show. But but wear those mouth guards. Wear those mouth guards. I, I am not a teeth grinder. Oh, I don't know why that is. Lucky you. I, I'm not. I have a. I have had problematic teeth. Like the orthodontics was a real, well, was a real like college payment, you know, college payment plan sort of situation. Did you, uh, did you show us a picture? You did not show us a picture. Of I think teeth. I sent you guys a one? picture, but yeah. it is not an exaggeration to no say. Joke. And I think I've said it before that my teeth grew in, my forefront teeth grew in at a 45 degree angle to the ground. So look, it was difficult. I just can't see I'm covering my mouth in horror. <laughs> so it took a while to get the orthodontics under control. So I had, and my teeth were just too big for my mouth and there was all sorts of issues with that. But once they were in place, they've been quite indestructible. So I can't complain yes. about that part. So I put in a lot of work early, but they seem to be doing okay. So anyway, you know, I, you know, surviving. I, I, the people used to say, oh, it's, you know, it, dentists are, you know, business is not as good as it used to be for dentists because the older generation, they, they never, you know, they, they didn't have the fluoride and other things that we did in brushing and right. flossing and that sort of, you know, how people, you know, their teeth in the older days were awful. And they're still to this day with old people that got the crowns and bridges and right. plates and different things. And so I thought, oh, you know, that it, it must be different. And it's not as, it's not as lucrative, but in fact, orthodonture. That's where the money is. That's where it is. Yeah. Have I? I should have, have been. I don't think I've ever floated my my theory on the the podcast before. But no. It is it is perhaps my contention. Really, I need to do more research on it. But as an early, my early thought is that is fluoride in the water supply the most effective, cheapest government intervention of all time. Of all. <laughs> yes. Because yes. 
Yeah. It real. I would argue, and I know there are, I know there are conspiracy theories about it, but I would argue the teeth health really dramatically improved. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't do any harm to my knowledge, and it doesn't cost us much. Well, here's the reverse of that, Mary Catherine, which is uh, newer, like younger generations who are now raised on bottled water. Oh, they do don't they have not the... have the fluoride as much I as do... we did drinking tap. I do think that can can be an issue. And there are places where still, I believe somewhere in the Portland area is still a holdout on fluoride in the water supply because of the old, like, we can't allow this additive. But yeah, just for my money, and it is my money. Thank you, government. That seems like a pretty pretty decent one. It's right up there with uh, my mother-in-law's claim of iodized salt. You know, because it's reduced the amount of people with goiters. Yes. Her theory, but her theory is also that the younger generations now, uh, you know, they all eat, they all have the fancy salts. Yeah. Like, does our Himalayan sea salt? Yes. The not, Himalayan, she mentioned this and she accused me. She says, well, you, you and your, your my pink, I said, I've never had pink Himalayan sea salt, but you, you know, and but, your pink Himalayan yeah, and, and I, and I'll say to her, I said, well, let me know when the, the goiter epidemic happens. Yes. That's but very, I, yeah, I but like the, her very yeah. specific burn of you, you and your pink Himalayan. Right, no, really, I've never had that. Uh, and kosher, kosher is not fancy. It's delicious. It's yeah. it's not. But you will find iodine, like in, for example, sliced sandwich breads. So that's yeah. another thing, just like fluoride in the water. But fluoride in the water, I think that's the that that's the king. That win. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll get a lot of. I I hope that we have people who will set me straight on the fluoride program. So I think no, I but I, I think you're on the right track. It just seems like, like yeah. we got that one right, maybe, yeah. which I rarely will say. <laughs> we don't always get it right on this show, but we, you know, I mean, I just, I mean, the American government, not us. Oh, We're oh, often right. right. Oh, yeah. The American okay. government. No. Yeah, that, oh no, that's very true. How how are you otherwise? I'm fine. It is full on summer. Although I have the discussion with my kids yesterday about they're like, isn't it still technically spring? And I was like, all right, you ah, <laughs> very good, um, smart kids. <laughs> Summer solstice is not the twenty first. Like, yeah, technically not to the twenty first, but it's very, very summer feeling. And uh, we went to the pool yesterday for the first time. And uh, this is the big. This is a, a community pool, community or a club pool. pool. Where honestly, we're we're in a we're in a dispute with the HOA, and there was some question as to whether would be we would be allowed into the pool. <laughs> uh oh oh. For, we can mm. we can get into that later. But the bottom line is. We have due process on our side, and they have to go through a couple of systems before they can ban us from the pool. So I oh, I'm intrigued. Up, I marched up there with my children in violation of various HOA rules. I, I'm looking forward to the Supreme Court, you know, ham versus. <laughs> I, have, I do have to check. I have to check with my counsel before I know whether I can spread this story around. But anyway, we went to the pool. We were allowed in because of due process. And so I took all three kids. And that's my first time at the pool with three kids. And that was, oh, yeah. it was, a that was, that's a new game. It's a little challenging. Were you alone or was yes, Steve with you? just me. Oh, and, um, boy. you know, the little one isn't obviously a swimmer, but I put her on the, you got on the little, I put her on the little step in front of me yeah. on my yeah. feet. And the girls, yeah. the girls are pretty self-sufficient and responsible in a shallow area as I'm, you know, if I'm nearby, but yeah, you can't, I can't like instruct them or anything or really be super involved, which is again, fine in a shallow area. I kept waiting for that dang baby to fall asleep so that I could jump in the pool and she would not fall asleep. She's in the stroller like, nah, man, I'm just going to chill here. And was she was she ma- making noises or was she, no, just, she was fine. Okay. She, she could have been fine over there by herself. And I really I really could have just gotten in the, in the water and she would have been a OK. 
but I had the thought, like, if someone if someone walks by a sleeping baby in a stroller, nobody's mad that you're not playing with that baby. Yeah. If the baby's awake, they're like, what is this woman doing? <laughs> so anyway, next time I'll take her and, I don't know, give her Benadryl. I'm just there's, kidding. Exactly. But she'll have a nap. There's lots of judging. There's lots of judging at the pool, isn't there? Yeah, just in general in life. And, and I actually am not terribly susceptible to it, so I should have just... I should have ditched the baby yeah. and dumped <laughs> in the pool. That's what I should have done. Yeah, you know, she's at the, she's at a great stage where she can't move. Like I put her in the stroller. Yeah. She's she's gonna stay. He didn't want to bring baby into pool yet. No. I mean, not. I yeah, but I, then carry baby. But you then you're not really the purpose because I'm not really helping the kids because I'm trying to improve their skills a little oh, bit and I can't really do much if I'm holding got the baby. It, so that's what we did. But you know what? We'll keep at it one day at a time. Yeah, yes. Rick. Keep keep on swimming. Literally. Just Sorry. keep swimming. I love it. <laughs> okay. Let's do some, let's do some news. Speaking of the U S government, not getting things right. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, we have hit a snag as one might've predicted uh-huh. in the deal for the, the gun related security. I, I hesitate really to call it like a, gun control bill because there isn't is there some sort of clever pseudo clever well they want they want to call it no not not yet they want to call it gun safety and i'm not i'm not into that Uh like y'all gave it the name gun control and you're gonna have to own it so anyway this gun gun related package the concern is that they don't have cornyn who is a lead republican negotiator on this says hey when it comes to things like the red flag laws and the boyfriend loophole we don't really have a clear way of adjudicating this yet, mm. which is important. Because, as, as we discussed in the last episode. Yes, because a red flag law can end up robbing someone of their due process. And how do you find a way that adequately deals with that? And some would argue there is no way to adequately right. deal with that. And I understand that position. But at, at the very least, there needs to be a very serious discussion about this. So Cornyn says one of the issues has to do with whether the funds that we will vote for will be available to states that don't have red flag, flag, law, flag laws, but do have crisis intervention programs and things like mental health courts, veterans courts, assisted outpatient treatment programs. His argument being, hey, you're just punishing those who are unwilling to do the red flag laws when they're using other means to get to the same end. Mm-hmm. I would also say, y'all, we don't have any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but could it not be that some of the... um Two trillion, four trillion, five trillion that we spent on COVID—that much of which has mm. not been spent. That's right. In could many be states. allocated for this. I mean, some of it's sitting in school district. Yeah. Funds. Yeah, that's right. And yet we can't use it for this. We gotta, we gotta spend some more money. Well, that's one problem, as we discussed and anticipated, which is why I said, don't you know, hold your breath. But and the other problem, of course, is the timetable, right? Yes. There, as always. When you're dealing with Capitol Hill, time is not on your side. You know, members are itching to get back to the, you know, their districts, you know, for the summer. Right. Uh, And they've got July 4th coming up, which is a a time when Second Amendment activists will be happy to make their voices known while they're home. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, and, and, you know, most members prefer to be in the district rather than in D.C. because they want to be, you know, seen among their people. And so it's... That's the problem there is, is, is the timetable. And again, as you mentioned, you know, lawyers are going to have to be working around the clock to figure out how they're going to work out these red flag laws and these. Yeah. 
legal. As Cornyn notes, like that with the boyfriend one, it's the issue of, okay, he says, he says, the other issue has to do with the way that non-traditional relationships are handled in terms of domestic violence and misdemeanors. We got to come up with a good definition of what that actually means. Yeah. Point being that there's a pretty bright line if you're married or I think living with somebody Mm -hmm. married to lived with or had a child with the victim in a domestic abuse case then you are not in the boyfriend loophole but as it as it turns out it can be hard to figure out well what of these uh, this other spectrum of relationships counts right yeah and should the boyfriend loophole apply uh to only romantic relationships or stalkers or how many dates count what about the aftermath of a breakup this is all um you know ala pundit of course right writes great about well (laughs) writes great he writes great he writes well about this kind of thing over at hotair.com. So they're trying to figure that out. And I actually, I, I tweeted a thread, which I think is useful for thinking about this from an account called Alex the Chick, who I have followed for a long time. Okay. Uh, and she's she's pseudonymous. Yeah. Is that right? Pseudonymous? Pseudonymous? Yeah. On Twitter. But she's a lawyer. And she talked about a case in which a guy had a bipolar ex who he she accused him of, of attacking her. She had a black oh. eye. But he was out of town at the time this incident occurred and it was all provable. Yeah. Nonetheless, that in his area meant that while this was adjudicated, his guns were confiscated. Wow. The cops come to pick them up. He gets a lawyer again, all of it provable that he's out of town at the time of this thing. He takes it to court. She doesn't show it up at court for the complaint, gives the judge the stuff. The judge says, you know, either I'm dismissing this and, or you're taking it out of here. DA. The DA is like, oh, yeah, fine. We're, we're good. We'll we'll move on. But because it wasn't dismissed, the paperwork for the fact that he was oh, adjudicated no. not an issue yeah. took a while to come through. So it, it, it messed with his job opportunities. He didn't get his guns back for a while. Uh-huh. One of his guns went missing and it took him another year to get paid for that one. So unbelievable. And all of this, by the way, is in addition to the cost of the lawyers. So, yes, there are easily imaginable situations where this becomes a very real problem. Lawyers are always the winners in any of these things. I think that's the other thing. If I didn't go, you know, there's other two places I should have done either orthodontia, I should have uh, pursued orthodontia or law. Right. Either way, you're safe. You're always going to have a job because, I mean, look at it. I mean, that, that, that's an entire legal mess, but also, you know, the amount of damage that was done to this, this guy. Right. Absolutely. And let's not forget also, um, you know, again, Everybody was talking about how much, oh, there's agreement on this, there's progress. And we mentioned this, you know, on the last episode that they're agreeing on principles, but, you know, now comes the hard part about putting it all down. Yes. Right. And, and then after that, of course, dealing with the house and reconciliation, right? I mean, so, I mean, they could put this off. I mean, maybe when they come back in the fall, but what happens in the fall? We don't know. Also, I should add, I talked to our friend, Steve Gutowski yesterday of The Reload. I am on their members area podcast this week if you guys want to check that out if you are members or you should consider becoming a member and he's a second amendment expert and reporter and i asked him about that part of the the proposed structure i was like you probably know more about this but it sounds like the crackdown on unlicensed dealers is already part of the law and he was like yes i i can find no difference between that and what is already the law so i don't understand but it what? sounds good to say it. It sounds good to mention it again. Well, this is the problem. So many people who are invested in gun control don't know what the regime of regulations is yeah, already as a status quo. So they just assume, well, let's just pile some more on. Well, we've got that one. Yeah. So just confirmation that that is, that is indeed already in the law. 
Oh, we have red wave, red, red, red wave news. I can say those two words yeah, together. Yeah, red wave news. I feel like I'm being uh, uh, sabotaged just by the idea that red wave is very hard to say, and I'm going to have to say it a bunch of times. Red, red wave is very hard to say? Red wave. I can do it. <laughs> okay. You did it. It's good. Do I need, do I need speech therapy? Possibly. <laughs> so the, the latest news, a special election in the Rio Grande area of- Big one. Texas, which has been moving more and more Republican for several years. And this is one of the things where I have to say, as a as a Republican who looked at the, what was it, the 2012, was it 2000, after Obama won the second time, there was a sort of a postmortem. Oh, yes. The, the, famous, the famous postmortem of what yeah. did we do wrong? And I thought, yeah, this sounds like, you know, we need to we need to do these things. Trump did the opposite of all those things, right? Yeah, and yet he attracted more minority voters. He went hard on the border. Republicans that. before him. And that is partly because he made a he made more effective appeals to working class and middle class voters while the left moved progressively away from them. No pun intended, but progressively <laughs> away from them. So in the Rio Grande area, which is close to the border, you have a lot of movement there. It went from a place that Democrats were winning by 20 points to a place that I, this particular district, Biden won by four. And yeah. now a Mexican-born Republican woman, Myra Flores, has won a special election in that district, and she won without a runoff. So it was over 50%. She won handily in this district. And strangely, that not a lot of not a lot of odes to the first. I was gonna, is born, is uh, anyone celebrating this? I didn't notice this on TV. No, Are they no, not that, celebrating this on MSNBC? That first has an asterisk because she's a Republican. Now, she's running in this district, which is Democrat plus four or Biden plus four. Due to redistricting, by the time she has to run again in November, the former uh, Democrat, by the way, just resigned to take a yes. lobbying job. So, Because that's what you do in a red wave year. That's right. Red, red wave year. Cash <laughs> out. Cash out now. So when she has to run again in November, that district will be much less friendly to her. So it mm -hmm. will be a like D plus 15 or so. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of people were looking at the stats and saying like, this could hold. And she will have a bit of incumbency in her back pocket at that point. Yeah. She's also a good speaker, very telegenic, interesting backstory. She's a, a healthcare worker who's married to a border patrol agent. Yeah. So- yeah. A compelling personal narrative, as they say. Yes. And, you know, as we like to say here, this uh, she, she could be a bellwether, as experts like us like to mention. She mm -hmm. could be a bellwether for the, the midterms. We think it's a big deal. We're talking about it. Democrats obviously are, are some Democrats are not. Some think that they're concerned about this. But as you mentioned, the DCCC, for example, I mean, their emphasis is on, okay, fine, you know, waste your money on this special, you know, special election because she's going to get crushed after the redistricting. But that remains to be seen because we're we're seeing a lot of these anomalies, and this has been going on now for the last few years. Obviously, since well, I mean, even Trump's numbers in 2020, even though he lost, he made you know these amazing gains uh, among minorities, and you're seeing this now. And I get the sense sometimes when you look at these numbers, for example, Biden's approval numbers among Hispanics, right, and the Democratic Party in general, and on what. Uh, they think, you know, what what is the most important issue for them? And and the Democrats and, and Biden are, you know, they're getting crushed. And I can't help but think that 
the Democrats have already written off the Hispanic vote. I, you just don't, I just don't, you just don't hear a lot about them going after them anymore. Yeah. You just don't. And so they can. And when you do, it's Latinx. So. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And it's things yeah. that they don't care about, which right. is, and they keep on pushing that. And it's not Hispanics that are demanding that they be called Latinx. And that's one of the other things that I think they must right. find extremely annoying. They've got to deal with inflation. They got to deal with, you know, all these other uh, issues. And the thing that they're hearing from the left is, you know, languages, language yes. police. You know, also, the, the the big experts on this, like, so folks who really know these numbers, like Sean Trendy at uh, Real Clear yeah. Politics, he was watching this race and he, he tweets, this is sort of how I felt seeing some of the shifts in Appalachia in 2010 or blue collar areas in mm-hmm. 2016, except this, I genuinely didn't think I'd see for another 20 years or so. Just yeah. astonishing. And if you think about the shift from about four to six years ago, or even in the past, really in the past two to three of Democrats really saying like, we are flipping Texas blue. It is happening. And now this is, Wendy Davis. this is, this is the actual results on the ground. And the actual results on the ground is that the, the Republican party is taking a large chunk of what yeah. was a very reliable demographic. Now, specifically, area, on, specifically on the borders too, though, yes. right now, border area, Hispanic voters in Texas mm-hmm. are obviously going to vote differently than Hispanic voters in California. Sure. You know, and that's, that's by the way, a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> like d- distribution of, of, of racial voting patterns between parties means both parties have to talk to those folks. Right. Uh, and then not take them for granted as, Oh, you're a block. You must vote this way because you're of this color. Right. This is, it, it, also, I would note that Liam Donovan, who also knows this stuff quite where he, well, he's uh, LP Donovan on, on Twitter was talking about the generic ballot, which is where you say like, okay, the random, a generic Republican versus generic Democrat, which way are you going? This is a stat on which Democrats usually hold quite a decent lead just mm-hmm. as a baseline. Right. They're, they're ahead. There are more people who are likely to go for D's on a generic ballot than Republicans. At this point, well, I think a month or two ago, the generic ballot showed Republicans ahead by a point or two, which again is pretty, it's very rare. It's very yeah. rare. In fact, like maybe not in the last 50 years rare. It is now up to about 3.5 if you look at some. Right. That is unprecedented. And it is a signal of how large the wave will be. And Right. It's now June, by the way. So, I mean, it's, we're getting there. We're getting to November. Yeah. And you know, you know who gets swept in by a wave? Vic? Yes. Not just the normal candidates, uh-huh. not just the normies, but the weirdos, because yeah. there's going to be some weirdos out there. And here's the thing. As reported in the dispatch and also Axios, Democrats who condemn MAGA Republicans and like we're talking like pretty conspiracy theory friendly ones mm-hmm. are paying to boost their campaigns. Yes, yes. This happened obviously in Pennsylvania yep. with Doug Mastriano. Yes. Yeah. I said uh, here's the lead on the dispatch piece about this ahead of this month's jungle primary in California's 22nd congressional district. Republican candidate Chris Matthews scored a television shout out from an unanticipated spender, the Nancy Pelosi aligned House Majority Pack. The TV ad lambasted incumbent GOP representative David Valadao, Valadao, yep, Valadao, yeah, Valado, for his vote to impeach former President Donald Trump last year and called Matthews, a far right candidate who, was previ- who had previously said Trump would still be president had the 2020 votes been properly counted, a true conservative who is 100% pro Trump and proud. Their idea, of course, is to boost fringe candidates who will then lose in a general election. Right. Because you have the the more hardcore 
constituents and elements that vote during primaries. Right. So, but I have news that's for the, you. That's the plan. I have news for you. In a wave election, they will probably not lose. <laughs> so you have spent millions of dollars as a liberal pack mm -hmm. to boost election truthers. Right. I mean, let's I stipulated that many of our friends on the left are also election truthers, depending on this. Yes, depending, depending on, on the, the election. election. And they, they're going to win, guys. Yeah. This isn't going to work out how you think it's going to work out. And then they're going to look at me and be like, what, how did you, what did you do bringing these people in the party? I'm going to be like, y'all, y'all did this. Yeah. Y'all did this. Yeah, you got them nominated. So we, the Washington Free Beacon had an editorial on this saying exactly the same thing and careful what you wish for. But, you know, it's one of the uh, interesting things uh, about what's happening with the Hispanic vote is that Democrats don't seem to get that they also care about illegal immigration yeah. and all the border crossings. If you live there, it does not matter if you are also of the same race. It is, you know, you live there, you have a home, you have safety and, and concerns and jobs. A very good friend of ours many years ago, we're talking about like late 60s and early 70s, had briefly worked for Cesar Chavez mm -hmm. and, you know, who is known as to be, you know, representing, you know, you know, workers' rights and all these things. And what my friend told me was that he was also fiercely, he was very pro workers' rights, you know, right. all, all the fruit pickers, everybody else, but he was fiercely anti illegal immigrant, you know? And so, you know, it's like, okay, you're in this country, we're in this together, but hey, you other people, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. not right. You know, you're not, you know, stay out. And so they have the same sentiments and they're, they're not seeing together. They, they, they don't, uh, a lot of these Democrats, don't understand why they're not supporting open right. borders. Remember when open borders was the big thing in 2016 or 2020? Yeah. That's all they talked about. The squad, AOC, about open I borders know. and dissolving ICE. All the, all the Democrats are like, <laughs> yeah. The moderate Democrats, live it up, guys. Right. And we're talking, these are double digit swing shifts. I mean, this is, yeah. it's going to be huge. No, it's, uh, it's remarkable. I'm actually, I'm actually like, I generally try not to get too far out over the skis on these things sure. and, you know, predict something that's larger than it really, but these, these numbers look like you should be out over the skis. Like that might be yeah. the safest place to be when you're making predictions. And the, the thing about, for those who are not like super into politics, when you have, it's called like spreading the map. When you mm -hmm. have so many districts that could be winnable, the democratic party has limited means to fight in those districts. So you're making them spend money in places that they wouldn't otherwise have to spend money, yeah. which is good for the party that is uh, favored, which is the out of, out of power yeah. party, which is the Republican party. Uh, so that is happening all over the place. Yeah. Over That's the, place. the wave. Some, some, some fun wokeness over at, at oh, George Washington yeah. university. Just, did you just see over the river? I did. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, George Washington University, elite, very expensive university, by the way. I think oh, one of the most expensive. It's more expensive. I think it's more expensive than Georgetown, which is the actual Woo! University of Washington, D.C. Amazing. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's fine. It's fine. I think we can shade George Washington for yeah, a minute our here. Our friend John McCormick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, George Washington University, last I checked in with them, was censoring a Chinese dissident yes. graphic artist That's and right. removing That's right. his, his art at the behest of the... Chinese government basically. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and, it's and by so, the way, uh, and, Georgetown is obviously no great shakes either. I, I ran into Ilya Shapiro, 
uh, a couple of days ago. And I, and I told him, I said, thanks so much for making me ashamed to tell anyone now that I went to Georgetown. So, but that's been in the, but it's been in the works for a very long time. So go ahead. What's happening uh, at GW? So George Washington University will retire its Colonials moniker, a name intended to honor its namesake, George Washington, but that has long, but that has long been criticized as a term that glorifies colonialism, officials announced Wednesday. In a statement, university officials said the use of the name has divided the community and can no longer serve its purpose as a name that unifies. Officials said they will continue to use the moniker until a new name is introduced, a change expected to come by the 2023-24 school year. Okay. As I said on Twitter when I first read this, so we're going to own the colonialists by not being the colonials who were the original righteous owners of the most notorious colonialists of all time. Yeah, that's so right. Historically, completely ignorant. And even if, by the way, you have issues with the with the uh, not yet enlightened enough by our woke standards views of the founding fathers, they were pretty anti-colonialist in the moment that they were named the colonials. Yes, it it's come down to just, quote, bad names. There's a list of bad names. Forget about the context. We can't use them. Do you remember Rhode Island changing its official name? You know how certain states are like the Commonwealth of Virginia, for example, right? right? And Rhode Island had the term plantation on it. Yes, this? yes. And they had to remove plantation. Plantation is a bad, but that is literally a physically, that's what it is. And they're not saying that the, it's not, they're not talking about plantation slaves. They're talking about it's right. a plant. It was a plantation. And now you can't say the word plantation because right. it's what it is, is triggering. And so- but and this one same is thing with like, colonial Who's colonials are the opposite of col colonials are are literally the opposite of colonialist yes that is it is so ignorant this is not the yes that that's right this is not the gw colonialists right <laughs> the imperialists <laughs> which uh, i don't i like the name the imperialists that was um, exciting but, by the way uh, and this this is a great yeah. example of how these decisions are made to the group now to be fair they did do a survey as opposed to just listening to like one student and buckling. The group also conducted a survey that generated participation from more than 7,300 alumni, students, faculty, and staff. Well, that's self-selected in an interesting way, but 44% of survey respondents said they wanted to remove the moniker while 43% were in favor of keeping it. This is not an overwhelming. I cannot, by the way, yes, okay. On the other hand, I'm surprised it's that high. Really? That, 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 that tells yeah. me we're, we're headed down. We've gone down this very bad path. And, and I think, I think it's over. Somebody said this, I looked at, I, uh, somebody had a comment on social media saying, okay, it's please, you know, it's time for the meteor. Yeah. The meteor of death, please hit us now because th there's, <sighs> there's no hope if we have to change that name. And what are they going to be now? The commanders, the GW commanders I, or something? No, I, some, something dumber, like the hippos was one of the the which, hippos really I, there's some, I, apparently there's some statue on campus that has I don't know, maybe it's Hippocrates or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> For the medical school, maybe. But look, this is this is up there with the San Francisco, you know, ed department so, removing the name chiefs, you know. So for, it says for supporters, the term refers to those who lived in the colonies, especially those who fought for independence against England, the colonialists. Meaning uh, our understanding, which is the correct understanding. With bravery, courage, and against all odds, yes. secured democracy for the United States. For the other side, it means these people who were in the colonies who uh, stole land from indigenous groups and plundered them. And so we can't, mm -hmm. we can't do this. I, oh. I just, I, can, can you have, 
you could have a whole discussion about what it yeah. means. You could have, by the way, for, yeah, no, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. Uh, do people actually, for example, do they talk about like, oh, I can't wait to watch the Cleveland Guardians Nobody for baseball? Do they say that still? Like, oh, I love the, you can't even watch a movie like Major League now without getting triggered, I guess. Oh. Because yeah, oh, on many what levels. Great, what a great movie. It's a great There's, That movie is probably so very problematic. Yeah, I watched it recently. Well, I think and, the new uh, manager is quite sexual harassing the, the the hot lady. Oh, she is. It's a right? reverse. Yes, that's yeah. true. And of course, the fans dressing up in all the sort of Indian gear. Unacceptable. Yeah. Unacceptable. That, all right. So, well, so there's that. And, I, and by yes. 2023, yeah, you'll you'll be saved from that particular name. And lastly, <laughs> we have a story from Vic. Vic choice. Oh. Vic's yes, choice. this is a Vic, this is a Vic's choice. At the end, I came across this because I thought this could be really interesting. And it's a story in the Wall Street Journal by Andre Peterson. And I'll just read uh, a bit of it here. More people are taking trips to mark the end of marriage or relationship, say resorts, destinations, spas, and travel advisors to woo guests looking to heal broken hearts or celebrate their newly single status. Hotels are rolling out new services and packages uh, the breakup caters to this this particular group in the Maldives. The Maldives? The Maldives? Maldives. Maldives. Mm-hmm. They have a package called the Solo Experience at uh, a place called the Gili Lankan Fushi. And the package includes, quote, dine in the dark dinner where the guest is blindfolded and guided through the meal by a staff member. Quote, you are eating alone, but you're not alone. I, ooh. That one creeped me out. For yeah, I, I'm wondering, in the dinner mint, by the way, the dinner mint cyanide is, is what happens. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and, but, but these travel advisors, what, what used to be called what tourist agents, right? What are they called? Right, right. Uh, travel agencies, travel right? Agencies. Travel agencies. Uh, they're saying that they have, what happened is they, they knew anecdotally, personally, a lot of friends' marriages that were breaking up because of the pandemic. Yeah. And so they thought they need to have this sort of a thing. Would you, do something like this. Well, you know what? I will say it beats sitting outside my college apartment door, drinking Miller lights and smoking a camel. Okay. So this is what I, had yeah, I used well, to yeah. be, be or being alone in the apartment in, in solitude. <laughs> Just sit and on the like, porch in the hot yeah. Georgia heat, have a Miller light. No, That's how you get over your yeah, I, I was, I was in the darkness without the blindfold. Yes, and without the five-star meal. Um, oh, wow, that's true. I, I do like this. The package features a photo shoot by one of the resort's butlers. Oh, that's the butler. You get photos next to a palm tree in blue water. And oh, these would make great pictures for a dating profile. So I like that you have, an, you have a built-in Instagram husband after you've yes. lost your literal that's husband. Right. That's right. So that's I, You nice. know, and they talk about like being careful about, you know, if you want to, if, if this has happened to you and it happens is sad, but I mean, it, you don't want to go to a place to get away and you're surrounded at a resort with a lot of couples, right? Yes. That would be depressing. Yes. So uh, things of that nature. No, I kind of, I actually kind of like the idea. If you have I healing, kind of a like place it, to heal. I like it better than the divorce party. Not that I'm oh. judging oh. anybody, but like as a, as a fan of marriage, like it's even when it needs to be done, it's sad that this happened. And I like, I like this sort of contemplative approach mm-hmm. yes. as opposed to, the celebration ap- approach and it's you know they get they get a journal they're, they're yes they're being, i saw that they're being mindful this seems like a fairly healthy way if one has the resources for it to uh and to and and they do, and and they do quote uh, another person saying it's not always a great idea to say oh okay this you know terrible thing happened i'm going to vegas 
because maybe nothing good happens. And I agree. I, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily do that. I'd probably go to Thailand. I don't know. Yeah. I'd... Yeah. It's a real safe environment there. <laughs> they have other ways to help you cope. And yes, about, yes. Yes. They have other ways. They, they have, have good ways. food. I've they heard have... they've had, I heard they have. Very That's good what I was food. talking about. I was talking about the Pad Thai. Yes. You wouldn't be okay. grinding your teeth at all. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> oh, are we out of time? Did you, you did, you kept, I think we keep on forgetting about the Alexandria city oh, schools. Yes. I do need to, I do need <laughs> okay. to briefly say, yes, I apologize. What happened? What happened? I think our, on, listeners, me... our listeners need to know. Just a quick uh, eulogy for the career of one of the awful superintendents in the Northern Virginia area yeah. who presided over the more than a year shutdown of his schools. This is Alexandria City Public Schools, one of the smaller districts in the area. Gregory Hutchings Jr. was the superintendent. He was extremely condescending to parents who he told at least one of my friends that we just wanted our brunches back, these ladies. Oh, that person. Yes. He also moved his kid to private school while he was presiding over the shutdown. Which listeners of course, can't see, but I'm shaking my head. Which, of course, met in person. And I just want to point out First of all, like like all of these folks, he's he is going to land on his feet just fine. Wait till you hear what he's doing. Alexandria City Public Schools Superintendent Gregory C. Hutchings Jr. will resign from his position at the end of the summer. School district announced Friday. Hutchings, who has served in the role for almost four years, said in an interview Thursday that he is leaving the job to lead an education consulting company oh. he recently founded called Revolutionary Ed, dedicated to dismantling systemic racism in American public schools. So <laughs> he presided over the least equitable two years yeah. in modern memory and the Alexandria public school system that exacerbated every problem and every gap between high income and slash white students and minority mm -hmm. slash lower income students with less advantages. Yes. All of those gaps widened to a really like disturbing level. And he was in charge of that. He was in charge of that. And now he's going to go forth and teach others how to make the equity. That's the plan. That's the plan. It's, it's, it's the failing upwards. And also that there's enough of a demand for this that I find most depressing. Also, the Washington, Post, also the Washington Post is here to just give him his flowers. Like they, oh, there's, there's, they're not calling so, out on any of this. There's so little skepticism in this entire piece, which I read from beginning to end, hoping that I would find the moment mm -hmm. when it's like, oh, but it's like to be, there's like a, there's a to be sure sort of yeah. paragraph. Oh, it's like, I mean, the schools were closed for like a year and a half, but you know, largely, mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a line about largely they didn't have the issues with online learning that other districts in the area had. It's like, no, no that's not true. That's not true. Stop making excuses for this person. Ugh. So he will leave on August 31st. There was much rejoicing in the Alexandria City Public Schools Facebook group <laughs> about yes. his departure. Oh, I but, bet. I, but much like Fairfax, which replaced the outgoing school closing superintendent with a new school closing mm -hmm. superintendent, I don't believe we will be improving the choice here. We'll see. We'll see. The battle continues and... Yeah. And this is what we're here for. He also spent a lot of the time while the schools were closed promoting his own book about racial equity in schools, which he was about how amazing uh, he is at it, which he was contemporaneously destroying. 
at the same time. Oh, there's different kinds of inequity as you Oh, know. here's here. Yeah, let me just quickly. This is like the, the Washington Post is like flacking for this dude. Oh. Hutchings's pandemic response was marked by exhaustively detailed presentations and updates on the school district's coronavirus data, health initiatives, and reopening plans. What if what it so was not wild. marked by, what it was not marked by, guys, was actually reopening. That's that's what it was not marked by. So, but he did a lot of plans, guys. And now his new plan is to make more plans for other schools. So is, is this an article or a press release? It's uh, it's pretty close to a press release. Well. You, you know where you can find skepticism on this show. That's right. Well, we come here for skepticism. That's what we do here. Bordering that's on cynicism, but cynicism with a smile. Cynicism, another great line for this great podcast. And that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Good day, sir, to Superintendent Hutchings. <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.